0: Welcome to a Better Divorce Podcast, where we have conversations about the emotional, financial and legal issues that are on your mind, or should be on your radar, if your goal is to keep your divorce out of court. I'm collaborative divorce attorney and mediator Andrea Vaca, and I know that how you divorce matters to your long term well being. That's why it's my mission to help you have a better divorce with as little acrimony as possible, so that you can create the best life possible on the other side of your marriage. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to have Mindy Wernick today here on the podcast. Mindy is the founder of Amethyst Wealth Planning, a psycho, soulful financial planning firm that's affiliated with Mass Mutual. Her firm's mission is to provide clients with creative financial strategies that bring them comfort and clarity and confidence. And she loves working with courageous clients who are ready to create a new financial paradigm in their lives. Mindy, welcome to A Better Divorce Podcast. Thank you, Andrea. I'm so happy to be here. Great to have you. So first of all, I, it was hard to, it, it didn't roll off my tongue as easily as I, it has in the past, but a psycho, soulful financial planning firm, like what, tell us what that is. What does that mean to you and Thank what you doing?
1: So first off, um, you know, it is a mouthful. It took me a while, but the concept is dear to my heart and I actually coined term myself pun intended um so a psycho soulful financial planning firm what that means is we blend the mathematics of personal finance all the numbers with the magic of the human story with people's spirit their psychology and create a space for them to talk about not just their money not just their personal finances but their emotions around money their emotions around personal finances what money means to them what abundance means to them and create a, a space that values both sides of the
0: story right both sides of um psychological and soul, what, what it means to them and what it is and what's actually that's right that's right
1: they say that people make financial decisions based on emotion and they use the intellect to back it up so a lot of times People are just looking at their money, just as really on the linear, on a linear uh, playing field, and it's really not enough. Because if you just look at numbers, how much you need to save, where bucket it needs to go into, people are still left very confused, and they don't take action because there's a lot of backstory, uh, baggage, uh, overwhelm. And unless you deal with that, I really can't help people move forward with their finances.
0: And we see that so much in divorce. You know, that's why I'm such a big um, 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 cheerleader for the team approach to divorce. I I always want to have a financial advisor on the team, um, a mental health professional on the team and the lawyers on the team. Because if you're not properly dealing with the emotional issues around money and what security means to you, and what that money means to you and what your what your future looks like and what happened in the past around money if you're not dealing with all that you can't make the right decisions for your divorce and you're mm-hmm. going to make maybe the wrong ones or insufficient ones and you're not going to be happy on the other side so we have to bring out we have to bring out the meaning now during the divorce so how if someone's thinking about a psycho soulful financial plan how can that, how do you think that could help someone in the divorce process?
1: Of course. So first of all, let's not leave out the numbers and the finance piece of this. Right. How much does your lifestyle cost? I've seen divorce clients walk away from a divorce with very little. They do not understand that the amount of money they have and the amount of alimony they'll get will make a huge difference down the road so they just really want to get out they make any decision possible they come to me and say this is what i have and and i said well why did you negotiate that and they said i just wanted to be done with this and they don't understand the long-term effects of if you don't have enough money for your lifestyle what's going to be the plan are you going to pull back on lifestyle are you going to start working when you haven't worked in 15 or 20 years what exactly is going to happen here so the numbers and, and the financial piece and explaining how money works is super critical here. Also, a lot of times there was power struggles in the relationship around money. Maybe the person uh, that I'm dealing with hasn't yet actually managed their own money. Sometimes there's something called the learned helplessness around money. They just toss up their hands, say, oh, someone else takes care of it. And now they're being forced to actually Come to the table, look at their numbers, look at their lifestyle, and learn about taking care of themselves financially.
0: Right, And, you know, if you were, you know, if you were the moneyed spouse, you're going to have different or, you know, moneyed spouse, meaning you earned more or you had more access to money during the marriage. Um, we call that the moneyed spouse or the, the less moneyed spouse who didn't have as much control or access to money, maybe because they didn't work. Um, or didn't work in a, as high a paid job, mm-hmm. they're going to have very different emotions around the money. The person who has who had more of it and, and like loved to see the assets growing is now going to feel like it's been taken away from them. And the one who didn't have any control or didn't really understand what the financial plan was could be get very scared and not understand what this money means or what it really can do, You know, not really understand how it could provide for their life. But I think what you said about, you know, people giving up too much or giving too little and being very um, disappointed because they, they didn't, they either, the emotions of guilt came in or frustration, um, anger, resentment. So they either take too much or give too much or take too little because there are all these emotions flowing around, around the couple. And um, we don't want you to wake up in a year or less and say, what did I do? So or, or in 10 years or 10. in
1: 20 years and realizing they really didn't have enough and that the money really didn't provide the lifestyle they want or a retirement lifestyle that they can actually manage
0: comfortably. Right. So when you're when people are looking at, you, you know, I mentioned that you, you really love helping people create new financial paradigms in their lives, and there's no better time to do that than at the time of a divorce. <laughs> Right so um you know how, how would you imagine somebody can view a divorce as an opportunity mm-hmm. to reevaluate their relationship with money
1: so you... just as divorce is a transition time and you're evaluating relationships with uh significant others with partners it's an opportunity to look at all relationships and that includes the relationship with money you can take a look at your own connection with money, you can look at how did my parents handle finance? Was it a source of stress in my home growing up? Was it spoken about? Was it not spoken about? Were there a lot of arguments around it? It's an opportunity to see in my relationship, did I recreate my parents with money? Maybe now I can realize maybe that was part of the problem. Maybe the power differential, maybe the money issues was something that was added to the relationship dissolving and now it's an opportunity to create my life new i can create everything new and that includes how i handle money my beliefs around money my beliefs around deserving abundance and a good life and so it's an opportunity to pause reflect reevaluate what have i done before what no longer serves me and how would i like things to play out moving forward yeah Yeah, the
0: um the You know, sometimes thinking about, did I reinvent my parents' relationship with money? And I've had clients who um, married um, people that were not, never really um, took control of their own, like they were kind of dependent on uh, spouses that never were really worth or depending on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like they never really... Came up, you know, it was like everyone was pretending everything was working, mm. but nothing was working. And if you and when they look back in it, I've had clients say, you know, it was very similar to kind of the world I grew up in. Um, it was like on surface it looked like everything was okay, but really there was no financial security anywhere, wow. which is really interesting. Um, but you, when we were talking previously, you mentioned, um, you used the word financial garden, you know, how can you tend to your financial garden in a conscious way? So can you say a little bit more about that? Like what is in your financial garden? Of course, of course. So again, I like to play with um,
1: growth, spiritual development, personal development, financial development. So I believe that your spiritual life and financial life should grow in harmony and tending, your financial garden is a sacred act. What does that mean? Most of us have routines and rituals around self-care. That could be our health, our exercise, how much rest we get, our spiritual lives, how much time we spend in nature, meditating, yoga. What I'm suggesting is we can create the same types of rituals and routine around money. That's tending your financial garden. How often do do you check your bank statements? your bank balances, what's in your investment accounts, how much you're spending this month. That's a way to tend to it and to create maybe some ritual around it. Maybe sit down with your computer when you're going to t- check your statements and light a candle, have a cup of tea, make it something that's positive, maybe connect it, James Clear atomic habits he says if you're starting a new habit always connect it with a habit you already do so for myself after i do journal writing i change i check my bank account this way it's already connected i know exactly what time of day it comes in mm-hmm. I'm, we're a family of 5 there's a lot going on money coming in and out and i just want to know what's happening mm-hmm. and just feel connected to it interesting so tending your financial garden can mean giving it time attention and prioritizing it the same way you would your garden. You don't have to garden every day, but you do have to do it regularly if you want your garden to grow.
0: Right. If you want those crops for the future, if you want to be right. able to bake that cake later with the berries you grew or something. Um, yeah. So getting clarity around what where you are, what what's happening day to day, month to month, understanding your financial situation, um, paying attention when when it needs t- attending, right? Um, and and someone who's I, I someone who's going through a divorce that can be very empowering too to start paying more attention to their financial situation and understanding where they are now and where they need to go um, and how to get there. Um, what about someone who you know? Do you ever see people who after the divorce now they've you know everything's been divided and now they have more money than they've ever had and you know which is a wonderful thing to have you know accomplishments and you know that you've you've left a marriage and you have you know excess money to 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 use and invest um you know but it could also be hard i would imagine if they've never during the marriage weren't making decisions around money so how do you help somebody in, in that situation what what do you advise them to do that's a great and,
1: question first yeah First of all, just to acknowledge, I help them acknowledge that it feels overwhelming to be a steward of wealth, right? Because past basic expenses, what else do they want their money to do for them? A lot of times I find that they want to give it away with excess because they're just not comfortable. They're just not comfortable having wealth. They don't think they can make good decisions. They don't think they're going to choose the right advisors. They think they're going to make mistakes. All Mm. kinds of self-doubt comes up. So, what I recommend is first really uh, letting yourself know you can do this. You can do this. This is something learned. It's just like when I started on the Peloton. I never even, I don't even ride a bike, let alone done a spinning class. My partner bought a bike and she says, We're doing, I, I was so nervous to get on a Peloton. It doesn't even go anywhere. I was so nervous, right? But I just told myself, You're going to figure out the shoes. You're going to figure out this whole, right? Anything we start new. Is figure outable. we just have to tell ourselves we can do this so that's the first thing second just start tracking your expenses for a month for two months for three months what are how much does your life cost what are the fun parts of your life that really add to lifestyle you don't have to give up everything but you don't have to live extravagantly either really see what are your fixed expenses monthly it's gonna look different from when you were in a marriage what is it cost on my own what is the cost with whatever I need to provide for my children what are the fixed costs, what are the variable costs, do I have hobbies, do I have interests, do I have vacation? Really wrap your brain around just cost. Then you need to realize, well, this money is not just for today, it's to save, it's to invest, it's for my future, it's for my children's future, I may be taking care of elderly parents or siblings who have special needs, and you can get help. You can find a financial advisor that understands you, Your backstory what you're looking to accomplish your goals you could also join investment groups to get more educated on what's out there and just be around people who have a comfort level talking about money and you can read books you can read articles you can just show an interest just when people start eating better they start reading more articles about it asking their friends what books are you reading what's the latest in you know, uh should be we be intermittent fasting or not intermittent fasting. Ah right? All those things. Just start making it a part of your conversation with friends and with family.
0: Yeah. So get educated. Um, you know, take ownership that this is your money, you know, and, and you can do what you want. You know, maybe you know, you you and your spouse had very different, you know, had certain goals of how you were investing or not investing, but um uh, charitable goals—maybe you were giving to certain schools or to certain charities—and now is a whole new opportunity to do that. So maybe you can change how you were using those those parts of your of your budget, right? To what's important to you, and um, it's a it's a way to know that you're helping others. This is a great opportunity to do that. You don't have to do what you always did during the marriage. So I, mean. I see that happening a lot. I'm, I don't know if you if you see that on your side.
1: Well, I'll tell you something I see also. Yes, you can make different decisions with your money. Maybe your spouse was charitable, maybe they weren't, and you wanted to be more and they wouldn't, um, they weren't on the same page with you. So now you can really decide how charitable you want to be. What I've also seen is that people conflate their marriage where the moneyed spouse had a lot of money with their icky feelings around having a lot of money. So I have a client whose husband was worth $20 million. She left the marriage with less than a million dollars. And she says, I can go back to the way I was before the marriage. I didn't need a lot, all that. And it's just not true. Oh. It's just not true, right? So to also realize that all the drama uh, in the marriage doesn't mean that it was because the other person earned a lot or came into the marriage with a lot. And to really separate those two and see i can create a new paradigm new belief system with money new habits and rituals and new goals for my money
0: right when when you're working with clients after divorce you know other than seeing what they might have they haven't taken enough or gave away too much um are there any other typical conversations you hear yourself having that come to mind with you know, recently divorced that people should be thinking about if they're not yet divorced and they're listening to this, watching this?
1: Well, first of all, a lot of times they think they can just make these huge decisions on their own and they don't understand the impact. They're like, I'm going to buy a new house and a vacation house and, 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 and they don't realize that this money has to last and needs to be invested. And maybe they can do all those things, but not all at the same time. (laughs) And you should also know what's actually happening in the market if it's a downtime in the market. um, Don't wait and buy everything with the money and then get in the market when the market's high, right? They should really get professional advice and don't think, ooh, I have all this money, I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z, and they they just go. They're so excited to like, I'm gonna start a new life that they don't necessarily wait pause think about it and ask for help and guidance to people who who are better equipped to make long-term decisions and honor what they want to do so I tell my clients you can have all this it just may not all be the first year you get divorced
0: oh I'm so glad you're saying this because I have taught I have seen um, and it happens around real estate and I don't know why but it happens more of my female clients this happens with they want a new they want to own a home so they've they've lived in a home that they've owned with their, their spouse they feel very attached to really you know having a home they're ready to leave that home but they right away take an advance of marital assets it could be a million a million and a half to buy a new home and just automatically buy a new home or want to and when i when they do this before talking to me it's done but sometimes mm-hmm. I, I I can say hold on I know, you know how about renting for a year while we negotiate the terms and you understand exactly what this is going to look like yes is a good chance you will have excess you know a certain amount of money but we don't know in what form will it be cash will it be retirement will it be other assets we don't know will you when will that other apartment be sold when will you get your buyout? let's can you take can we take a breath and how about you rent for a year and they'll say i don't want to waste money money's you know renting is throwing money away and i said okay i understand that but let you're making such a big financial commitment to owning Mm -hmm. a home and the carrying charges and where you're going to live and what if you decide you want to leave Mm -hmm. when this is all over you might not want to live in this city anymore in this place right so I try to talk them down <laughs> so if, you know, if, it, if, if need be um, and, and encourage them to start working with their financial advisor yeah. and get advice before they make such a big commitment. So. Well, I, I think why women gravitate
1: towards uh, real estate is two reasons. One is a home is security. A home is comfort. A home they know how to create and create their, their role in it. If you're renting, you don't feel tethered. Okay, so that's one thing. I think also women don't understand uh, money all the time if if they haven't been uh, responsible for it. They don't understand how to make it grow. And they're very comfortable putting money in real estate because they know how that appreciates. They totally get it. You put money in a home and you pay your mortgage and you build equity. It's pretty simple, right? Right. But if you tell them they'll put money in a stock market where they've never done that, they think, well, what if I lose it? right? So all of a sudden, all the fear comes up that they they won't make good decisions. They won't be able uh, to have that money if they need it. Maybe it'll be gone. There's no sense of security around that. And money for, for a lot of women I speak to is security. It's opportunities. And if you are not comfortable with the market, what are you going to do? Sit on it, right? You can keep it in a bank, so, there's two things going on. How do I create security when I don't feel any? Buying a home is the greatest way. And how do I invest in something I know about right. and I'm comfortable with?
0: My right. real estate. At a comfort level. Yeah. So, I'm probably, uh, you know, creating some insecurity there, but it's a long, I'm looking long term for right. long term security. So, can you take a breath, work with your coach? work with your therapist work with your financial professional that we ha- that you have individually that you're investing with or that's part of our divorce team and and look at the bigger picture and just you know take a step back so but we will get you that financial security you want guarantee we that is the goal but we want it to be long term
1: so agreed and yeah. i'll tell you most financial professionals if you say here's my money i'm going to take out this much and buy a home they'll say okay On a psycho soulful financial level you're going to pause and say tell me more what does this mean to you
0: Hmm.
1: where do you see yourself in 5 10 20 years from now is this part of the picture how comfortable are you with holding on your money and not moving forward with it Right. right but other people if you're just doing the money then it's like oh you want your money here it, it, there's no conversation, there's no pause button, because you're not dealing with the whole person, you're only dealing with making their money grow, and giving them their money when they ask for it.
0: Mm-hmm. Which doesn't really get to the heart of what money is all about, and cannot feel and might not feel very secure, even if they have it, because it wasn't really meeting their needs. It's a great question. What is? Why do you want to buy this home? What does it mean to you? How would it feel not to have it? How can we make up that sense of, you get that sense of security in another way so that you can still have room to make you know, the right financial decision? Yeah, it's really, really important. Um, so not not every financial professional looks at money the same way you, you do. So I don't know anything more you'd want to say about that, about um I really think that money
1: is so deep with people and it brings up so many issues. And if you don't address it, it's very hard to be a good steward of money. Yeah. And I've seen it not only with people, clients who have been divorced, but clients who become widowed that they just get so uncomfortable. They don't feel deserving of having that much wealth because they didn't earn it themselves. And they just Give it away i had one client who gave two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to her her housekeeper for a new home just be and now this woman is it's 10 years later and she's really struggling she's really struggling like there was no reason she just had no or she gave it to her kids or she bought a new boat like just there was no consciousness or thought and i think it's so important to bring to the table people's Uh, what money means to them. I do exercise with my clients called, what does money mean to me? And it's all the positive things and it's all the negative things and how would they like it to change a year from now? I do another exercise with my clients on money beliefs. What are your money beliefs? Which money beliefs no longer serve you? Let's create some new money mantras together that you can say, that you can start feeling empowered, that you can make good decisions, that you can be a good steward of wealth that you can trust other people with money and you can trust other financial people to partner with you and collaborate with you in order to actually build the life that you want.
0: Mm. So is there a common ma- mantra that you would recommend? Not knowing everyone's situation, but something just coming out of a divorce or or in the middle of a divorce process right now. Anything about, I don't know, any mantras you would recommend? Sure. Or more common, yeah. sure. Case?
1: instead of it being so loaded and feeling that money is finite, money is energy and a renewable resource.
0: So what what would be the mantra for that? Money is is, is renewable. Money is energy. Money is energy.
1: Money is energy. Yeah, that's it. You don't have to make it good, bad, security, but you will put so much on money. Money is energy. It's the exchange of energy, of value, It's just an exchange. And if you just say money is energy and a renewable resource, then people don't feel they have to hoard it. They don't feel they have to have all these uh, thoughts and and feelings around it, that it could just be something a little bit lighter. And they can also tap into that there is a spirit side of money Mm -hmm. That it's energy. It's a flow. Mm -hmm. There's abundance out there. It doesn't mean that they're never going to earn again, or that it's going to be lost. Like people keep thinking it's going to be lost. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spend it away. I'm gonna make the wrong decisions. It's energy. It's energy, and that's a way to connect the finance with spirit. Money is energy. Yeah. And it's something very simple, very rem- memorable, and something that people can connect to when they feel overwhelmed by numbers.
0: Mm. Right. I love it. Money is energy. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mindy. So look, I, as, um, as you know, I end every uh, episode with a better divorce tip. And I ask my mm-hmm. guest, is one t- tip that you can offer to help someone have a better divorce? So what would that be? I have two. Sorry. Okay. Can't All right. there, two. okay. So one <laughs> is
1: believe you can do this. Believe in yourself. You can do this. You can learn, you can grow in your financial knowledge, and you can take care of yourself with your personal finances. But first you just have to believe it. So number one is believe it. And just say you believe it until you actually believe it. Number two, how do we eat the elephant one bite at a time? Baby steps, small steps will get you there.
0: Okay, so believe in yourself, believe that you can do this. Money is energy. You can tell yourself that mantra. and start slow. I like to eat the elephant one bite at a time. It's a great, you know, I love that one. It's um, you don't have to know everything right now. Like you said, read a book, listen to a podcast. I don't know if you mentioned podcasts, but, you know, there are podcasts out there. There are groups. I hear more and more about investment groups. So get educated and um, yeah. work with your advisors. So thank you so much, Mindy. It was wonderful to have you here. So what's the best way for someone to reach out to you?
1: Sure, so you can go to dot amethystwealth.co, both of them will get you to my website.
0: Okay, well, thank you. So thank you everyone. That's been another episode of A Better Divorce Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode. You've been tuning in to another episode of A Better Divorce Podcast with Andrea Vaca. Thank you for subscribing, leaving your positive comments and reviews, and sharing the show with others. You can watch episodes at vocalaw.com, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook, and you can listen through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Bye for now, and remember, you can have a better divorce.